This is Kari Kanari with the SLV Apothecary and we're here to learn about herbs. Oh, hi, this is Danielle Loveth from the SLV Apothecary. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about our business today. What I do with the Apothecary is um, I actually go on adventures. So I am an adventure herbalist. So what that means is I go out to different places all over the United States and I find um, herbs and adventures and I bring back those herbs from where they grow naturally. Um, I do very small batches of wild crafting um, in a very sustainable manner. So that means that I do little teeny bits, um, like a flower from this plant here and five feet away do another flower. Um, and then I bring those back and create different teas, uh, tinctures and things and bring them to uh, the apothecary. We try to keep things um, really local, but sometimes those herbs are best where they naturally grow or they have a little bit of um, a little bit of stress and and um, maybe less elevation from here or something. So those type of strong medicinal qualities um, are found differently in a different plant. So I try and go out and adventure and find those. I found a really good apothecary in uh, Salt Lake City. It was um, by the freeway somewhere. It was uh, on the end of the town, one of the ends. But it was um, really really archaic and it was really dark, musty, you know, didn't have any electricity in there, it was really cool. And I told them, you know, let me bring my camera in here and they got upset because they'd want no electromagnetic frequency in their apothecary at all. And um, it was really nice. And so I I was injured a while ago and I got uh, interested in um, certain certain Pacific, you know, I guess herbs, you know, like because I wanted to, you know, I heard about, you know, neuroplasticity, neurogenesis, nootropics, and, you know, uh, nerve growth factor, NGF. And um, as an injured person, of course, you want to figure out how to get your body working, you know, homeostasis once again. And I found that, you know, I used to call them herb shops, right? Hey, where's the local herb shop? And then my brother Jordan put me on the term apothecary. So I've been everywhere I go, I look for the local apothecary. And in Stockton, they have a decent one. It's, you know, you know, bright, you know, a lot of lights, a lot of them, um, really modern. And opposed to that one over in uh, Salt Lake City, which is really, you know, archaic, I guess. But over here in Alamosa, it's kind of in the middle, you know, it's not mm -hmm. too modern, but it's not too old-fashioned. It's kind of in the sweet spot, and I like it. But if I'm trying to, you know, you know, like lion's mane mushroom, for example, is one of mushrooms. I'm a little bit kind of mushrooms for a lot of reasons, and we'll go over that in a minute. But they have um, factors that contribute to brain, nerve, cell regeneration. And, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the issue is a lot of the medicines we take in, we don't absorb correctly. I've had this conversation with Guadalupe Raid and Laura Hammond on uh, the KZRA radio, but 
The issue with absorption is a blood-brain barrier, particularly for the neurogenesis. And so tinctures, like I find here in uh, the SLV apothecary, help those nutrients penetrate the blood-brain barrier because the alcohol or the DMSO that tinctured in. And so can you give me a, a few suggestions on what kind of tinctures would be good for me in my search? Um, I really think that um, when you're looking for something that's healing, it's super individual. Everybody's body does it, and not everybody's body does it the same every time either. So some of the things that, um, that help you to be able to be ready to absorb some of those other things like you're talking about, like lion's mane and some of that, is getting your body back into that that homeostasis thing um ashwagandha is a really big one that um that's really big and popular not for everybody but for a lot of people um that particular herb helps your body to rest and relax which is going to help your body also to recover from those um those injuries and those things that happen, even the, the daily stress of life, um, being able to rest and relax, and those type of herbs are really important for your body as well. Um, things like um, blue vervain and some of those herbs that put you out of that fight or flight and, and into kind of rest and digest, those type of herbs that take you out of that stressfulness and allow your body to heal itself are super important. Yeah, like here in Colorado, you can forage some of these mushrooms and herbs on the wild, some of them at least. Yeah, yeah, you can, especially for personal use. Um, blue vervain, um, we have a local uh, local type of blue vervain. Um, also, um, verbenia is another is kind of in the same family and those ones are the, the kind of rest and digest type herbs they're also good for for different things cramps and and all kinds of things um but that one's a really good one and it does grow wild here really where you are uh wherever you are the herbs that are there that grow around you the plants that grow around you um they have so many different, um, so many different ways that they can be beneficial, and you can be mutual benef mutually beneficial to those plants as well by um, caretaking and making sure that the wild plants, along with the cultivated ones, um, are well taken care of, and you're not just taking. I never go out and see a see a bunch of of some specific herb and take it all or take a third um when and i always make sure that i'm leaving the area better than when i was there so yeah colorado has a lot of those type of places that have the wild um wild herbs or you know just the weeds that are around you every day even in a city there's weeds that are good for you i'm glad you said that because i was i'm going over to estonia soon you know uh, chaga is growing on the birch trees over there and I was watching a video and they, the people were talking about how the locals tend to hoard it and just go and ravage it all 
instead of just taking what they need and moving their ass to grow more. That kind of sucks because I can imagine me going over there looking for some wild chaga and then just not finding any because the locals hoard it all. Right, and I think a lot of times people will um, hear about a popular herb and they'll think that it's a cure-all and everybody needs it. Something like chaga, um, I really feel like should be really reserved for specific cases and specific people instead of just over-consumed and put in something. I heard somebody put it in lotion. <laughs> and, I mean, maybe if somebody had a you know, a cancerous lesion. I'm not sure how that would actually, you know, function in, you know, in a topical application, but there's a lot of herbs that are over, over harvested and used just for, you know, to be able to sell to somebody else or because somebody thinks it's cool or they're sitting on somebody's shelf and never really used. Um, and so I'm really good about using what you have um, and finding those things wherever you are. You know, there's, um, in a city, there's different things that you have to look for. You do have to look a little bit more for contamination stuff. But um, even the, you know, in some places, there's linden trees that grow. Linden is a absolutely wonderful herb. Um, trees also are really nice because they, um, you know, taking just a little bit isn't going to hurt a big tree. And so that's something that is really important to be careful of um, wherever you go. And with me, um, as I'm traveling, I'm always, because it's not an area I'm super familiar with all the time, I usually have um, herbalists who are where I'm going um, to be able to tell me a little bit more about the, the local area and the things that are happening there. Um, or I'm going to somebody's private property that they are um, very aware of what grows there. I did a recent trip to Oregon um, and uh, stayed with some of my family and they have a, a property that is um, right on a really beautiful little stream and um, had some really beautiful, wonderful herbs growing there, but they weren't something that grew in abundance. Um, but there was things like St. John's wort, which is actually a weed in a lot of places, and um, but is an amazing herb um, topically as well as internally for a wide variety of different things. Yeah, St. John's wort, I heard good stuff about it. Can you uh, give us some information about that? I'm curious. Um, I, I can a little bit. Um, I... I try to uh, stay away from this herb is good for this thing um, versus this type of person will um, work well on an herb. Um, so topically, that's a, a generalized thing. Topically, it's a really good healing herb. Um, it's really cool too because it actually is super red. So when you do it as a tincture, when you do it as um, a topical um a topical application such as a salve um, it's really beautifully red and it's got this deep like intense red color which is super cool it looks you know looks like blood or something on there and it's beautiful um, but it really has some really great healing properties that way um, 
I heard one of my herbal teachers one time say it's like sunshine in a bottle as far as emotionally. Um, and it kind of takes in the sun and some of the, the things from the sun and is able to um, put that out in your body. And just like any other herb, it's, um, and a lot of herbs, not any other, but like a lot of herbs, when you take uh, St. John's wort um, and you're taking it as an herbal supplement um, internally, that's something that you want to have super consistently. And that's where a lot of people, like St. John's wort was really popular there for a while for things like depression and things. Um, but uh, a lot of times people will take an herb and they'll go, oh, it doesn't work but it's because they weren't super consistent and they, you know, kind of fell off and didn't take the whole thing. St. John's Wort is one of those that you have to take. You have to be a very consistent person to be able to have the full effect of it. And it's like almost a full month of taking it consistently every day to be able to have that, that effect. Saturate your body and nutrients. Right, and have your, your brain actually get onto that it has enough in the bloodstream to be able to um, function. And it is really helpful for people um, sometimes with those those kind of dark, um, dark feelings or um, darkness over because it is kind of like a bright, a bright light um, in there or like when you're sitting out in a summer's day and you're kind of taking that. So that's kind of a nice um, one, but um, in that same bright, sunshiny feeling, um, things like dandelion flower, dandelion flower honey, dandelion flower tincture. That's another, you know, kind of dark, dank day and you have a little, a spoonful of dandelion flower honey and it's kind of that same sunshine kind of, kind of feeling and the constituents in it are, are, are like that bright, sunshiny kind of kind of feeling so those are two different ones that are kind of weeds that are have these great things and St. John's wort isn't found everywhere but it's found a lot of places and so is dandelion flower. Yeah even in the, like the last year climate but mm -hmm. I think um, you were saying that you take an individual approach on things like you know instead of one size fits all but I always thought in my mind, you know, everybody needs minerals, everybody needs vitamin C, you know, I always thought everybody needs amino acids, and so I, I, I always had a more generalized approach to the way I saw the world, and, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, for instance, like chaga, like we're saying, you know, it is an adaptogen with certain properties that help the body recover and rest, you know, like rest, you know, for example, is good for everybody, regardless of individuality. I mean, that's the way I see the world. How would you, um, how would you approach somebody like me? Um, so I would, I would say that there is, there's people out there who, and myself included, um, I actually can't do some vitamins. So some vitamins and things actually make me worse um, for my body. And so each individual person, like. There is no one-size-fits-all herb. There is no one-size-fits-all anything. Everybody is individual and different, and you can 
make a lot of generalizations. One of the the herbs that probably, and it's kind of in that that category that is a is a everybody it might be good for um, is nettles. Nettles is one of those that's kind of a everybody everybody it might be good for. Um, but I really I really feel like each person knows their body the better than anybody else, even if they think they don't. And you have to look at that, look at how things make you feel and adjust because you can't just take, take something that some other person's experience and take it on yourself and think that it's just gonna work the same way because you're not the same as anybody else. You're your own individual. You know, I was listening to some other herbalists like Dr. Sebi and these other guys who are you know, prominent very venerable and they were saying that a lot of teas are acidic in nature you know make teas and the pH is actually closer to five and six so somebody who's uh, real sensitive to an acidic pH like what do they do like, what kind of teas are more alkaline um you know I'm probably not the right person to ask and especially um, here in our valley where the water is so alkaline it actually kind of evens out a lot of that stuff as well. <laughs> Drink our water. <laughs> it's like way other end on the alkaline scale. Um, but that's not something that I'm super familiar with. Yeah, okay. So the Colorado water from the river is actually alkaline. That's good because um, I was in a car wreck in 06, you know, and I really, you know, 65 mile an hour head on collision would do a lot of damage. And um, I, I came to the understanding that when bodies damage heavily like that, it acidifies. And that, you know, we have a naturally alkaline pH of about 7.4. And that we have little business putting acidic foods in our body, you know, like the yeah. American diet. And so I've been really, um, how do you say, really forceful and keen on trying to keep my body's pH. You know, of course, as a doctor knew the other day, he said, well, the body naturally buffers everything you put in it. You know, and I, I you know, rebuttaled saying that, but the food you eat will produce either an alkaline ash or an acid ash, and that's what affects the cancers and all the disease of the health in your body. And, you know, this is, uh, I think, an ongoing debate within the communities. They have, you know, multiple the medical, the allopathic, the homeopathic. And I just, I find myself taking sides, and I think we should um, try to alkalize the bodies of sick people more than treat them with drugs. Mm. I mean, do you agree with this idea? I would have to actually do more of my own research and do that before I, I had an opinion on that. No, of course. Yeah. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, that I would want my body to be... Um, more alkaline and I think that's probably really um, that individual thing is super important maybe in that debate because there's um, sometimes uh, the too alkaline can be a problem um, for things like uh, urinary tract infections those type of things as well so looking at you know getting everybody to have more alkaline anything, um, I think, could, you know, sometimes people need a little bit more of acidic stuff in their life. I mean, look, at, I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there who would swear by apple cider vinegar, which yeah. is a super acidic 
type of thing and might be really good for one person and somebody else who does need to have a little bit more the other direction it's just like you know there's um there's a whole you know look at um type of uh body styles or look at different things with people they're you know hot and cold and wet and dry and you know everybody's kind of got their little thing and yeah you can put you know a group of people in, in a box but everybody's so different I wouldn't I wouldn't say that that everybody does bad even on the US food problem that's out there because we have this horrible you know horrible toxic food society but I think that there's some people out there that do just fine on on that and they don't find anything wrong with it but that's how their body is but there's a good portion of people who that's not how their body is and focusing only on one you know one section makes things real hard for everybody I think yeah, people have warned me you know like you go in alkalosis so you know you need to calm down you know but I mean I'm not that hardcore on it, you know, I just try to eat more melons, berries, fruit. Then even my friend Alan was saying that even the produce we're producing these days is more acidic than it should be because the water and the chemtrails and all the environmental pollutants. But, you know, there, there's certain, you know, homeopaths that, you know, like Dr. Robert Morris, you know, that he, he, he calls himself... Um, alkaline uh, I forgot the term he uses but he's very you know he's very into you know eating um, that uh, he calls it electric vegan he's an electric vegan he's, he says alkaline foods are more electric and base foods are more you know base you know for lack of a better term but him and Dr. Sebi insist highly on eating electric foods which I guess are highly mineralized foods that's why they say eating meat is not a good thing because there's no electric current they call it dead food um, foods like milks animal products and meat in general and so they call themselves electric vegan because the food they specifically eat is electric you know they, they, they put those uh, multimeters in the, the, the foods like the potatoes you've seen produces electric charge yeah and it's it's the same thing I mean that's that sounds like it's super great for them and for you individually if your body feels really good on those type of things then it's the right thing for you but if you are going through a diet you're doing exercise you're doing herbs you're doing all these things or any of these things and it doesn't, it doesn't make your your body, your emotions, your uh, your spirit, and yourself feel good after a amount of time. Because sometimes when you start herbs or an exercise program or a new diet, you have a period of time where you feel cruddy, and then you feel a lot better, or you have a plateau. But as you're going through that process, it's super important to, to be listening to yourself and your body and not, you know, not just saying because one person says something or another person says something, everybody needs to listen to their own selves. That's the same thing with, 
Like, you go to a doctor, and the doctor tells you you have to do A, B, and C. Who's really in charge of you? The doctor or you? You're in charge of you. And that's something that, especially in kind of the U.S. thing is we're, we're, we put doctors high up on a pedestal and they are great learned people who have a really wonderful, you know, wonderful things to say and um, some great opinions. But when it ultimately comes down to it, uh, you know, they're suggesting things and we just have to be able to listen to ourselves. Allopathic dogs joking. But, um, you know, lest we forget the variants in humans, you know, like uh, I did a lot of digging and it was really hard to find, but I found, you know, suggestions that said some people's blood is more acidic and more alkaline than others, and then, then the suggestion said people with negative blood types are slightly more acidic than positive blood types. And that, you know, that people don't want to accept that, and I found that information. I am um, ran it by Michelle Christ, who's an herbalist in Stockton, and she agreed, and there's people who have, uh, that I agree with that general consensus, yeah. but there's a lot of people that disagree, and it's, it's an antinomy, you know, it's crazy. So, you know, Dr. Sebi said, everybody should eat according to their ancestry, like, for example, the Inuits in Alaska cannot eat in an African diet, an ancient African diet, and the ancient Africans cannot eat the Inuit diet without getting sick and, you know, disease-ridden. And so I, you know, I, I think that, you know, as individualized, we should eat according to our blood types and our ancestry. But the problem with the world today is we're so mixed up and, again, the food is becoming so contaminated with toxins. Yeah, I don't know, it's just... Yeah, that's a very interesting concept. I, I would say it's almost even more individualized than that, though. You can try those things, for sure. But, you know, saying I'm going to eat um, the way that my ancestors ate and the way, you know, and doing it that way would be really bad for me personally because I, I can't eat gluten. And so that would be a big, big problem for me. Um, but there's really... There's really this, because we have so much communication now, because there's, you know, the internet out there and there's all these other things. We have all this information, all these different food types like you're talking about, you know, kind of, kind of inundating. Um, and we forget to listen to ourselves. We forget to listen to what our bodies are telling us and how to listen to our bodies and we take in all this information from outside instead of taking the information from inside ourselves too. And I think that that's really super important. And sometimes those signals are, are mixed up too. So trying to, trying to um, figure out how to get clear signals and clear connections in our body so that we can listen to them is super important. And I, I think that you were talking about um, that apothecary near Salt Lake where they're like, we don't want any electronic yeah. interference in here. And I can understand that because, you know, there's there's what those things that take us away from being able to, you know, sit out in the middle of a forest and listen to, you know, not with our ears, but with our bodies, be able to listen to the plants. Yeah, I mean, our ears too a little bit, but listen to the plants and feel the wind 
and be able to feel what's going on in our own bodies gets so disconnected by by the the modern day that it makes it really hard and we don't have um, as close communities because that we have large large communities but not that that inner space you know tribe that happens um, when we're disconnected from that larger you know larger wave out there you know, I love to talk about food and eating because I love to, you know, and I mean, I try to be electric vegan, but I suck and I'm weak. But as much as I like to talk about eating, I like to talk about not eating because for me as an individual, like, I, I think this applies to one of those, you know, widespread, applies to everybody. Fasting mm-hmm. is like, you know, something that all the spiritual gurus of the past practiced and preached, you know, Yahushua, Buddha, um, what's his name, uh, the sand guy, uh, uh, you know, you can't say nothing about him. So bad names. But yeah, fasting Mom is, is something that, yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. But um, yeah, fasting is something that um, is really important for your body, listening to your body and resetting it by not putting something else in it, but having things go through um, is really important. Um, I think that. Uh, keeping yourself from something is important. Not just not just um, the food fasting, but fasting from different things. Taking away something that you're so attached to and so needed. And what do you need more than than food? <laughs> I mean, there's there is really important to be able to reset and be able to listen to your body that way. Yeah, I know. I'm big in the fruit because it comes in properties and the fiber and micronutrients and minerals. And just, I think, you know, I agree with Dr. Morris, you know, in saying that fruit and fructose is the perfect ideal food for the human body. And I, you know, I really looked into it and I tried to tell people this. And um, I get into bumping head matches. And um, what do you think about just eating fruit for like extended periods of time? I think that's a lot of sugar. <laughs> I think that the the sugar in it would be really, uh, for me, it'd probably make me sick. Yeah. For, um, I mean, it, it might be, it might be an ideal thing for somebody who's really like, um, runs through a lot of, um, has a lot of fire maybe, you know, they're really a, a warm person, but Really, even then, there's so much there's so much sugar and, and fruit that I would say that it would be really difficult to to go on a on a fruit only diet. Um, and I like fruit just fine, but I, I feel like that it in my body when I'm eating a lot of fruit, and I've done that before, where I've just just done fruit, um, I felt exhausted and I felt like that I didn't have a lot of good um, uh, brain function. My brain function is less um, on that, um, and probably that's um, due to the like the good fatty acids being missing from a lot of the, the fruit. Um, for me personally, um, 
you know, even the some of the, the good stuff in, in the berries, I don't don't find it as as brain nutrient as um, some of the good, you know, omega-3 fatty acid yeah. kind of thing. Although purslane has a lot in it for a, for a, I guess you'd call purslane a vegetable, but um, it, it's just not enough of it in, in just going in the street. Straight fruit diet. Yeah, you know, like uh, fruits, uh, they say are for cleansing, but like, Things like alpha GPC and choline, I guess you could find mostly in animal products like beef. But, right. You know, I think the issue I have with meat is not meat in general, just meat today. <laughs> is you know, I'm hearing yeah. about you know the, the factory farm, and the factory farm is becoming a thing of the past when they're gonna really start producing, growing meat in a freaking chemistry lab. Like they're gonna start cloning and growing meat, like so we just keep developing more and more, and I just scaring me more and more. So I, uh, I mean, I tell my friends even the produce is garbage, you know. So what would we do as a, as an as an herbalist, as somebody in the know? What would you say? Grow your own food, have your own garden, kill your own chickens. I mean, I do. <laughs> so um, that. That is good, and it's important to remember that it's okay to do what you're doing, because a lot of times people feel guilty about not doing those things, like not being able to um, grow your own chickens and and um, butcher and process those things. And you know, I've been doing those type of things for my whole life. I grew up. Um, grew up from little processing meat, growing vegetables, you know, drinking goat's milk. Those are the type of things that I grew up doing. But it's really important to remember that there are lots of people out there who can't do those things. But and for some reason, our current society makes people feel guilty if they can't you know, do healthy things or they can't do whatever, it's important just to do one thing, you know, just do one thing that's healthy. Um, and I think that there's, there is a lot of over, over emphasis on making money. And I think that that's where a lot of those things come in, like the big farms wanting to do more and more and more, um, and everybody's individual. There are some farmers who are really conscious of uh, taking, particularly ranchers, I would go with on the right word, but um, that are really conscious of what they're feeding their animals, how they're taking care of them, how they're um, processing, what they're going through, and they really strongly believe in what they're doing. And, um, I'm of the opinion that I like to have at least local meat. I would like to be able to go and, and drive and see or be around what I eat. Um, so I really try to do that um, myself. Um, and so that's kind of how I feel on, on that level is I'm, I'm a meat person. I like meat. I've been, you know, I've raised plenty of animals. I've 
eaten plenty of animals. I mean, there's a few that are still on my bucket list that I would like to eat, but you name it, I probably would like to eat it. <laughs> have you had bear? Um, I won't go with the best, but it is really great. It's it's a it's a really great meat. Have you had alligator? Never. Is it the best? Yeah, fishy. <laughs> I would go with it's a little fishy for me, but like there are a lot of different things that come from from those type of things as well. Like I don't know. I'm I'm a meat eater, so that's yeah, my like, opinion. Yeah, <laughs> I can't bash on people. Like I said, you got all the nutrients and like that. The choline, the acetylcholine, the alpha GPC, which is probably the same thing. Then you have, you know, the sentinel, the, how, how do you say, all the central amino acids, a full, you know, get all of them. And then, yeah, then it just tastes good, you know. It feels natural to eat. I mean, I bought some yak jerky the other day. I'm going to take my friends in Estonia. Yeah. But, you know, I can cry and complain about every single situation in the world, you know, every health dilemma. But the water is the next in line. The water is um, it's horrible, you know. The water we get is just dead. No electric current in it. It's garbage. It's polluted with chemicals, chlorine, chlorine, fluoride, you know, um, birth control in there. Dude, it's horrible. So what do you think about ionized water? What's the best water we can drink? You know, I water is something that that is really bad but I, I I'm really on the opinion on a lot of these a lot of these things that if we if we stress and worry all day then we're full of stress and worry um, and so I think that really the best water that you can get is the best water you can get yeah. so stressing and worrying about it all day isn't going to isn't going to to help me or you but if we can find you know even going and, and drinking out of a stream in the middle of the in the middle of the mountains you can can be dangerous <laughs> <laughs> so there's not you know there's the there is arsenic you know that is naturally found in water in some places so forever we have been being you know taking in these different things from water now we're just adding all kinds of chemicals and nastiness to it um i, I think that we should definitely be be taking care of ourselves and making sure that we're conscious of what we're taking in and that's there's a lot of people out there who just aren't conscious of what's in their water yeah I mean, you know, the xenoestrogens from the plastics and you know, the bpas I mean, I mean the list goes on for miles but you know this brings me to the h302 found in fruit you know i've eaten tons of fruits for like week and I realized I didn't drink very much water, but I was still hydrated. And, and then later on, I heard these black guys on YouTube talking about, yeah, the H3O2 found in fruits, um, extremely 
highly hydrating, way more than water, which oxidizes you and actually isn't as good as people think it is. You know, I, I don't know a whole lot about hydration from fruit, um, but I know that if you, there are some, some teas that you make that um, they just make water a little bit more sticky, so I assume that's the same thing in fruit, you know, there's yeah. marshmallow root that just gets the, the water a little bit more mucilaginous and it seems to get you more hydrated. Um, but really that's not something I know a whole lot about. So I try not to, to have a lot of opinions on things I don't know a whole lot about. Um, I like to have a little bit more. Um, I, again, I am Danielle. I am at SLV Apothecary um, in Alamosa. We're on State and 4th. Um, in Alamosa and you can definitely get a hold of us. I'm an in-person person so hopefully you can walk in for, on a vacation and walk through the door and we can help you out.